Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream. Um, with me are um, Steve Fierro, and he is from Awaken Mind podcast, and he, all the way in Asia. And Mary, Dr. Mary Elizabeth from US, and he's a PharmD. And uh, we have Dr. Jane Marquis from Canada with Empowered Health podcast and Hartmut from Schumacher from Germany. And, and yours truly, Grace Asagra. I'm originally from the Philippines and I am now here in Princeton, New Jersey. So as, as last year we got together, we found each other collaborating because we feel that we needed to powwow together. And for today, we are so happy and privileged to have the man, <laughs> the Del Big Tree, who is the host of the High Wire, okay? And uh, Dell has been an exceptional, uh, preeminent voice of the vaccine risk awareness movement. And I don't know who doesn't know Dell, but I know that in a lot of Patriot meetings that I've attended, everyone knows Dell. His career as an Emmy-winning producer of the CBS talk show, The Doctors, changed profoundly when he produced the documentary Vax, From Cover-Up to Catastrophe, which is credited with igniting a revolution against pharmaceutical tyranny around the world. Now, Dell's internet news show, The High Wire, is the fastest growing program in the natural health arena with over 75 million views. And I do know that some people are wishing that that high wire could be translated into many languages because it is so crucial that people around the world understand what's going on. And so his nonprofit, the Informed Consent Action Network, or ICANN, which is beautiful also, is leading worldwide investigations into drug and vaccine fraud that have already resulted in multiple winning lawsuits against U.S. government agencies, health and human services, the National Institutes of Health, CDC, and FDA that some of you believe that it's all science information and that's all you have to listen to. But Dell is probably best known for his powerful speeches that weave shocking truth, searing wit and dynamic passion into an experience that is often derived as electrifying. And that's very true because there were many moments that I, I was teary and others feel really like they want to cry. But with that tears, we feel empowered when Dell uh, puts up certain program and all those interviews and, you know, video clips here and there. So thank you, Dell, for being here. And I'm glad you feel so much better now. And so, Dell, what, what I wanted to start with is, um, although I read some of your your mini biography, but who is really Dell? And I, I asked that question because when I, when I first heard your name, Dell Big Tree, first I said, there's something in that big tree that is beyond what we see on the stream. And say, I come from an indigenous tradition in the Philippines. And then, of course, everyone knows about the power of words, the power of thoughts, Bruce Lipton, and everyone seemed to be practicing that. And that 
but and yet that tell big tree also the image that i have in my head is a big tree and what does the tree represent shelter food not just shelter for people but shelter for different insects and animals and and shelter for the mushrooms which is like the network the network beyond the internet okay so when when you when you said and and then of course i heard one of my favorite interview was when you had to share your family stories so please it's better to hear from you than me because the words with you and the sound with you that electrifies magnetic electric frequencies that you bring truth and empowerment to people so whatever you want to share from what i ever said i don't really right. have a question from that well it's dangerous to ask them you know who they are and when at the center is what a person that really likes to talk uh so i'll try and keep it tight um yeah my my last name big tree um is uh, a name i took that last name it was my mother's maiden name my grandfather norman big tree moved off the reservation uh the mohawk reservation in upstate new york uh and ended up working for chrysler i was actually just hanging with my my family recently and my mother um was talking about how she felt like when i changed my name over to her name big tree that i had taken on some of the attributes of my late grandfather who was a warrior uh himself he was influential in bringing the union into chrysler where he worked in new york and uh was in a branch that was doing a lot of experiments and and ended up dying young uh and we've only just recently sort of found out that that was because he was working on a nuclear car and of course there were health issues that were around a product that never ended up uh making it to uh um the you know to to the people thankfully so but it, it's interesting i do you know i my father um is still married to my mother my father uh, i grew up with the last name groverland but my father had changed his life he's one of those brilliant he's a dynamic speaker himself um a new age minister teaches uh, meditation and a course in miracles and also uh, is a metaphysical bible teacher and so Uh, I grew up the son of a minister and my brother and sister I'm the oldest but my younger brother and sister are ministers. I suppose I was supposed to take over the family church in Boulder, Colorado, but it just wasn't ever it just never felt like my mission. I I thought I had a place in this world. I wanted to make the world a better place, which has always been a part of my entire family's goal, but I wanted I think I just felt I had a different uh destiny which i think these last few years i feel that i have found what that yearning and longing was i am one of those people that would say I, i'll never win a pity party when i'm around friends talking about how bad their parents were or how difficult childhood was i had a brilliant upbringing i had parents that were very conscious parents that my mother pulled me out of school in fourth grade when she really felt that i was um deferring to my friends opinions of who i was or what i should be and she said i'm going to raise leaders um and i think you know i say that because i think we all as parents need to take that job very seriously so often we just have the schools raising our kids and the nanny feeding our kids and i wonder how that makes someone a parent um this is the future of our world and many of the issues we have right now is because an education system that has brainwashed our children into forgetting how brilliant and powerful they are 
um, what it means, I think, to be created in the image and likeness of God. Uh, we are these spectacular beings on this planet, and there seems to be this great lie. I think the greatest lie ever told, and I'm stealing that from some other speaker, I'm not sure who, but was, is that human beings are just a disease on this planet, um, and we're killing the planet, all of that sort of languaging. And I grew up in that. I grew up in a sort of liberal progressive space, and I look back at that now, and, I, and my friends, when they talk like that, I really find that horrifying. Uh, we've separated ourselves from nature. We're looking down on ourselves. I think we need to start sort of striving to be the brilliant, powerful individuals that we're designed to be. And of course, when I say individuals, of course, I believe that we're all a family. We're all on this planet together. But just like our body is made up of billions of different cells, each one of those cells has to do its job. It has to stand and carry its job. It can't think about the greater whole. That happens by something greater than ourselves. I think we're overly focused right now on the good of the whole. And that means to so many people to forget who I am and what my spectacular job is on this planet. I think we need to celebrate the individual, which is really what is the founders of America believed in. Uh, different than almost every other nation in the world is how spectacular the individual and independence is that we are a great nation together because we're powerful as individuals. I think that's been lost by our governments. It's certainly lost in this time. And it's something that uh, I think drives who I am. I care about my fellow man, my brothers and sisters, but my job is to be as spectacular and, and powerful in myself in doing what I see as necessary uh, uh, so that um, to represent to the world that if we all do that, I think that this is that spectacular Eden, that beautiful uh, blue orb we're all sharing together is a better place to live. Well, thank you so much. Um, well, since you did mention about the macro concern and then you brought it to the micro concern and as individuals we can only be powerful as we are um intentionally or being aware of what we do day to day so how about how how is your day to day in preparation for your ministry because i see that you haven't left your your parents your family's ministry you're just being in a bigger church in a global church and who knows it will be a universal church so how's your day you know um that's i'm i'm one of the lucky people that i wake up every morning driven and and empowered by and inspired by uh the mission i find myself on i'm spreading truth um an incredible background in life that led me to understand television and production and filmmaking and then the odd part was how I sort of gravitated into the Dr. Phil show and then ultimately the doctors where I really was in a space I never planned on being studying medicine and science and discovered a passion there I didn't know I had and I and I suppose uh, had I been raised differently or in a different space I'm one of those people that probably would have gone on to be in medicine I just wasn't my parents didn't believe in doctors I was raised uh, mostly with alternative uh, forms of healing. Um, so it's so I always joke, it, it, I'm in, in many ways, it's like Wayne Gretzky being born in Africa. You're just not around any ice and you didn't know that that's what you, know, you had a talent in. But now all of that has converged where I really discovered this passion and understanding, a, a natural um, 
connection to science and medicine. And so along with my inquisitive nature, which led me into film and television. So all of that comes together in this great experience that I have uh, daily. I, I'm lucky that I love what I do. Um, the hardest thing for me and the one I have to work out for is to just remind myself I have a family, I have children, they want me there, they don't want me working all the time. I was pretty lazy as a kid, so it's weird now to find myself as a person that I guess could be considered a workaholic, but that's just because I'm so passionate about what I do. But I, the one thing that I bring from my upbringing is, you know, my parents taught me to meditate as a child, um, and I hold on to that practice because I think we need to be able to clear our minds and clear our space in a time that is so full of, of, of distraction and chatter. Uh, it doesn't matter, no matter how you try to avoid your TV, you can't avoid the repetition of the insanity that we live in in this world. So I sort of start my day and hold my day by making sure that I maintain the power to control my thoughts and what's moving through my mind by sitting and clearing my mind at least once a day. And so hopefully that explains, you know, or, or touches on, you know, your question. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much, because it's just good for all of us to know, even our viewers, of what we can do day to day, because it's been such a crazy time. So, and, in, and then my third question, and then before I pass it on to Steve, would be, um, in these crazy times, um, you um, you did mention in one of the interviews that you that you look at tragedies as miracles. Now we are really in the midst of crimes for humanity. People have their own individual tragedy of having lost loved ones, friends, and then um, whether it's in the main news or not. Mostly not in the main news. So um, how how do we do? How do we get like? Can you connect that and what's your message for people to look at these things as miracles? Because for one, for me, I really were able to build more or expanded my horizon by build, having family, soul family, oversoul from other countries, just as like the people you are with today. Um, so to, uh, to explain, yes, I, I have said, and, and one of sort of my messages to the world is I do believe tragedies are miracles. Um, and simply put, it's something that, you know, I never read that, but it's something that I started to discover in my own life that, you know, we've all have trials and tribulations. We all have difficult moments where life doesn't go as we had planned it, which is usually what is the biggest tragedy is just when we feel like we've lost control of, of, of the direction we're heading, but so often we're lost. We're looking for our per place in the world and, and, and what's going on. And I would say that, you know, when we're having those, you know, elated moments where it feels like life is very connected or we're in the zone, I like to tell people just reflect back then, what was the turning point that got you out of being lost to where now you find yourself incredibly connected, found, you find yourself in a space where you know life is really going the way you want we all sort of have these you know the, our life moves in these waves for me at least when i look back it's really the tragedies that set me on courses that got me to where i wanted to be um you know it just it, i i always say life to me feels like you're sort of wandering in the dark blindfolded and it's hard to know what direction you're going you don't know where you are until you run your face right into a wall 
And the moment you hit that wall and you feel the pain, it's, the, it's really one of the clearest moments you have because then you know if I turn around 180 degrees, that's the direction I need to head. It's the most you know, um, focused understanding we have of where we are is when we run into things that hurt us, we know we wanna go the exact opposite direction. And that I say, and so that's why I always say that tragedy has guided my life. And I look back at those moments as miracles. And I've tried to teach myself that in tragic experiences as they're happening, and you know, I'm getting emotional about it. It's not to say that we shouldn't experience the emotion, but I remind myself, just know, Dell, you know, if, if, if this lines up the way everything else in your life has, you will look back in your rearview mirror and appreciate what, you know, how this set your course. So why don't you try and appreciate all the details of this experience while it's happening and get everything out of it and love everyone that is involved in this conflict or what you're a part of because they are major players in what will bring us to that more beautiful destiny that we seek. And I think that that is really true right now. Um, these are incredible times, uh, but we, you know, I think biblically, you know, a story I always get hung up on because my dad's a minister was always, you know, Moses and this idea of, of freeing the children from Israel. There's this incredible statement that always boggled my mind where, you know, Moses would throw his staff on the ground and it would turn into a snake and it would scare Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, all right, take your people out of here. And Moses would leave with Aaron, his brother. But the story always said, then God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Um, and then Pharaoh ends up saying, no, don't let them go. And this happens over and over again. I remember as a kid saying to my dad, I don't understand. It doesn't say that Pharaoh, you know, got mean or was an Indian giver and changed his mind. I mean, it was just God was a part of that. And so that tells me, you know, now as I've grown up, I've, I've learned to understand it. All of this is a part of the story. You need Pharaoh to be the opposition so that when you truly break free, I think you appreciate what that freedom is and it keeps us, it really allows us to close that door so that we don't sort of end up in a, in a space where we don't know what direction we're heading. And I think right now we've got to thank the oppressors um, that are out of control because they're waking up so many of our brothers and sisters. And we are on a mission once again to find that promised land. I think we're right on the precipice of new healing modalities using energy in ways that were never thought of and brilliant machines that are coming around and uh, energy healers. And all of that used to sound crazy, but more and more it's becoming mainstream. And I think a lot of this assault on our freedom by the pharmaceutical industry and its cronies in our government agencies around the world is really sort of this death grip by the Neanderthals of medicine that don't want to let go. Pharma is going to become a thing of the past as we move into, I, I joke, sort of more like Star Trek medicine. There's so much brilliance on the horizon, but we're going through this birth right now. We're going through the birth pangs of what it's going to take to have people wake up, to be awake so that we know where we're walking towards and what we're stepping into. And so at this time where we have the Tony Fauci's, one of the greatest liars in the history of mankind, and you have sort of this globalist takeover to try and take away our freedoms because it's truly the only way they can get us to accept that old, old modality and those old, you know, uh, thought systems is they're gonna have to imprison us and force it upon us. We can get scared by that, 
or we can recognize when we look at the history of this planet that we live on, that always in history, at the moment where they're burning the books, at the moment where they're gagging us and binding us and imprisoning us, that is always the last dying days of that regime and their desperate, desperate, pathetic desire to maintain and establish credibility when it's already been lost. And that's the time that we are now in. We just need to survive this assault, recognize that our captors and our oppressors are dying right before our eyes. And when we survive this, we will be waking up into a beautiful, more uh, brilliant day. I think our ev evolution is upon us. We just need to get through these birth pangs. Fantastic. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And thank you for being here with us. I'll pass it on to Steve. Wow. Del, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I listen to your stuff a lot. I've passed your links many, many times, uh, sometimes furiously, like uh, you got to listen to this. So I guess, you know, it's a cynical world. You know, I guess I'm somewhat cynical being down all these rabbit holes. Yeah. I mean, eugenics goes back before Margaret Sanger. I mean, this is nothing new. And we know that the inversion and perversion of reality and truth is something they thrive on. And, you know, just as the laptop of, um, of uh, you know, um, Hunter Biden. Biden's son is forgotten, you know, people who were taking the injection forgot why they even took it, you know. Now, <laughs> now they're so busy blaming the un, un, uninjected, you know, and it's just frustrating. But, like, I love listening to you because, you know, you, like you said, uh, you know, good times are ahead. So in one of your last videos, you said like this, the sand is literally crumbling underneath them. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Like, you know, you look at the World Economic Forum, you look at, uh, you know, all these ideas, uh, Agenda 2030, the UN, you look at maybe they're trying to engineer civil war so they could create martial law with the UN. So can you explain Band on it's crumble the sands crumbling underneath them because I believe you, but sometimes it just doesn't feel that way. Well, again, I would say you have to look at history, right? Hitler didn't end up winning. He doesn't take over the world. Stalin doesn't. You know, all of these ugly times, nuclear war. Uh, you know, my parents were le learning duck and cover and were hiding under the desks as, you know, they would practice being bombed with a nuclear weapon. We made it through the Cuban Missile Crisis. There are these times all throughout history where great atrocities are right on the edge, where the powerful beings uh, are holding our lives in the balance. And there is something that keeps us from ever really having that diabolical uh, species de destroying experience, uh, which in, and, and perhaps it's faith based. But for me, um, I believe there's a greater consciousness, whether it's our collective consciousness together. I, you know, believe in God, which is some form of, of that type of discussion. But something protects us, something watches out for us and something has brought us through every dark time that has ever been before. And so what I believe is that we can suffer through that dark time, but then we're really not helping move through it. And that if we really wanna be advanced beings, we should really bring in the context of our history and recognize the sooner we get out of the doldrums and whining and crying about what's happening 
or worrying about it, but take on that positive energy and that understanding that whatever that is that has always saved humanity every other time, let me align with it now. Let me carry that now and that faith now and that light now and wake up as many warriors to have that light also. And perhaps we can start moving through these dramatic and difficult time periods faster than we did in the past. Um, that's how I carry myself in, in great faith. I mean, without that, then, you know, if we look at this on paper, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. The odds look like they're stacked against us. You have the World Economic Forum. You literally have uh, something that we have never viewed before, as far as I know, which is I was talking to a friend recently who said, you know, it's a, it, this is the, the next world war. And I said, yeah, I think that that's true, but it's not like any other world war we've seen in the past. It's always been, you know, one nation against others or a few nations gathered together to fight the governments of, of other nations. Uh, this is not governments against governments. This is every government of the world in alignment against the people of the world. And in that place, I could be with you and say that's terrifying and horrifying and scary. Um, and it is. But I believe that we're coming through this. And when you think about um, you know, I, one of the things I try to tell people to, to stop doing is referring to the they as though they are almost like this godlike, you know, um, brilliant power that has thought this all the way down the road. And no matter what they do, they've already outsmarted us. Uh, I just don't see it that way. And I think you've got to look at this incredible moment. Clearly, there is an alignment amongst these dark powers that are working together. We've never seen the entire world agree uh, to a lie at the same time. And then, you know, <laughs> through mechanisms, whether it's an imperial college putting out a bad uh, model that the whole world follows, it really is a conspiracy. It really is a tiny group of people that most of which we probably do not see that are driving the decisions of this world. But look at how bad they're failing. I mean, they never expected the United States of America, who was, you know, 90% vaccinated when this all started, that 50% of our nation would say, no way, I'm not taking that vaccine. Uh, and then you would imagine if they are this great godlike power, they would have a vaccine that could at least stop you from being infected for a small period of time or maybe transmission, none of which is true. This vaccine is the greatest disaster in scientific history. And now we are entering a period where I believe and we've been predicting that this vaccine will start annihilating you know, millions of people based on the issues that I mean, I'm not making it up. I'm not hope. I, I pray I'm wrong. But in all of the trials, we saw the animal trials, we saw death and destruction by every attempt at a coronavirus vaccine. We've seen the history of upper respiratory vaccines like dealing with dengue uh, or the RSV vaccine that killed children before that was pulled in the 1960s. All of this is, is science-based, what I'm saying, but this is a catastrophic disaster. You have Walensky, the head of our CDC, one of the, you know, the brain trusts of the, that the they that's controlling us has to step onto mainstream television this week, just I think two days ago, and say the vaccine does not stop transmission. It does not stop infection. You are going to have to wear a mask, even if you're in a room of only vaccinated people. 
Um, that is the sand breaking away. That is a castle built on sand. That means that they sold us on the idea that we were going to mask and we were going to lock down and that the Savior would be given to us this vaccine so that we could get back to our lives. Meanwhile, the entire time I was staying on the high wire, natural immunity is going to be your only way forward. This vaccine will not stop transmission, will not stop infection. I'm not a psychic. I didn't cyclically predict that mm. over a year ago and have the videos to prove it. I read the trials. I was looking yeah. at the science that they had. And so under those circumstances, I see ineptitude at catastrophically gigantic, brilliant levels by these power uh, brokers. And that says to me that we can win. And I think the fact that they have pushed so hard on this pandemic to achieve a lot of other goals that I'm sure many of the guests here uh, that share this screen with me could talk about whether it's banking or transhumanism. All of this is on the horizon, but they needed us to smoothly move into it. They needed us to just go along with it. We have not. And the more they pressure us, the more they raise, they, they jump to raise that to boiling, the quicker we're jumping out of the pot. This thing is moving in the absolute wrong direction for those power brokers. You've got to see they are not where they want to be. Fauci does not want to be defending his career and his life and trying to keep himself out of prison because Rand Paul is on his butt. Andrew Cuomo just retired, just dropped down, I believe, an hour ago because the, you know, the darling of COVID that won awards for his reactions is a liar, a thief and an enemy to the people, and now he is stepping down. Gavin Newsom, another bright shining light of this oppression, is now, as of yesterday, polling, and it is showing that it looks like he may lose um, in this recall event. If we are not celebrating these moments, and we cannot see that that light is breaking through one of the greatest, darkest moments of all time, then we're just not awake. We've got to wake mm. up and now we've got to stand up together and say the momentum is on our side. We are the majority. We are the truth. We are the light. And this day is ours. This battle is ours. And this war is ours to be won. Wow. That's well said. Thank you. Um, well, so I believe that. And I'm, I'm with the faith. And I, I, I believe we got to stay out of fear and, and we got to stand up to tyranny. Um, you know, your interview, I think last January, where you highlighted G. Vanden Bosch, I don't think it could be, you know, overstated the importance and of what he said then. And he worked for Gabby, right? And he was a guy that was at the center of sort of, you would say, the dark side. But he was coming out saying, um, you know, your innate immune system is all you need in the pandemic. And this injection is going to shut down your innate immune system and, 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 and create uh, non, you know, it's going to create specific antibodies. And then you had your football thing yeah. uh, where you showed that. And, and that's like, so I, what I'm, where I'm going with this is I'm worried about people I know who don't know what they've taken inside them. And the, what you said rang, like it rang in my ear. It's like, once this is in you, it doesn't come out. Now, yeah. do we know that this is true? Like, I'm just trying to figure out is is the graphene oxide taking months to fill this you know web all over your body and what's you know what about people that are regretful that they took this because they were misinformed 
You know, and my heart goes out to those people that, you know, many of them were just doing their patriotic duty. They were raised to believe that if your government tells you that the way you're going to protect everybody else is to take this totally experimental product that's never been injected into human beings in the history of this planet, um, and that's the decision they made. Um, I think we, you know, as I sort of said in the beginning, we've got to honor those people and recognize that they have a place in this story uh, though that place may be a sacrifice um, that they've made, not me. Uh, I am searching hard right now, talking to lots of doctors who are attempting to figure out how to heal people that have already been vaccinated. That is going to be the issue. How many people can we pull out of the issue, you know, out of out of this sort of march towards their death? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh, if we're going to be able to find an anecdote in time because this product is doing something inside the human body that no one has ever done before. We've never manipulated the DNA and the cell structure using, you know, uh, basically a computer code that's being injected through either a fatty lipid or a, an adenovirus vector and getting to our cells and then teaching our cells to become a manufacturing plant uh, for what I can only describe now as a bioweapon, that, that S protein uh, that has been being manipulated in laboratories that I think it's clear now either leaked from Wuhan uh, laboratories or was released on purpose. I think that the minority opinion now is that this is a natural virus and anyone that wants to hold that opinion is going to have to produce a lot of science because the, the just the, the tidal wave of information points that this is coming from a laboratory, which means it was designed by men, it was designed to be deadly, which makes it a bioweapon, maybe in the effort to develop a vaccine that could stop it with this whole war games thing that's going on inside of laboratories. Um, but the thing about this vaccine that is, is really, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, um, is that we have a bioweapon that has been, you know, basically inserted onto a coronavirus, which is a mild virus. We all get colds from it, but there is this bioweapon. And luckily, it hasn't proven to be that deadly, uh, at least not in the beginning. Maybe it's designed to mutate. Maybe it has these other functions, or maybe it's getting out of control. And we don't know it, or maybe it's never going to have a greater death rate than the 0.2% that it's had. Uh, the real tragedy is the fact that we've so overreacted to this thing that we are killing ourselves, uh, both our economies and our health by wearing masks. Uh, but now it appears we may be killing ourselves with the vaccine. The vaccine, when you talk to like Dr. Robert Malone, who invented the mRNA vaccine technology, or you listen to um, others like Dr. Michael Yeadon, the viral load that this vaccine is creating in the body, it's just shocking that we're taking the most dangerous part of this virus that maybe I'll have a few of these particles. I mean, a few meaning it could be as high as a million of these particles in a, in a natural infection. But they're saying with this, this vaccine, we're injecting these, you know, billions or maybe trillions of these messages, these coded messages to get our cells to then produce multiple amounts or maybe an unending flow of spike protein being produced by our cells, turning our bodies against us, making our cells the enemy to our body as it's producing this deadly bioweapon, only for the antibodies, our, our immune system to try and attack our own cells that have been turned into traitors inside of us. I mean, there's no other way to look at this. It's one of the most insane experiments in science 
Um, and to think that it's about our health, it gets harder and harder to imagine that anybody would be foolish enough to build something like this, thinking it would make you healthy. The more and more I look at it, it appears like it's designed to kill us, designed to make us sick. Um, and if it's an accident, so there's only two ways. Either these are the stupidest, least talented scientists that ever existed because they were trying to achieve health, or they are, some of them at the very top, diabolical in nature and what they have to do there. But now, as we speak about our friends that have gotten it, look, as soon as someone tells me they've been vaccinated, I stop giving them any more information that I have on antibody-dependent enhancement, immune enhancement, on blood clots, thrombocytopenia, um, uh, Bell's palsy and the myocarditis, periocarditis. I mean, all of these things are scientifically factual, but now because I'm a practitioner in the belief of the power of the mind, all I can do is try to make them feel confident about what they've done and say, you know, well, I hope that works for you and stand in your health. I would take a lot of vitamins right now. I'd start trying to chelate any metals or toxins you may have. Uh, try to boost your glutathione because you're going to need all of those things. We all are. We're all going to have to combat a, a more and more toxic environment being made by toxins that are being produced in our food, sprayed on our food, in our water. Um, but for some of us, we're going to avoid injecting maybe one of the most deadly toxins we've ever seen into our bodies through these vaccines. So all I can do is support my friends that have made that choice love them for having made that choice and recognize that if they die because of that choice, that it doesn't mean they were stupid, they were necessary for this great awakening. And in the end, you know, I always remember in Dead Poets Society, great movie, Robin Williams character says, in the <laughs> end, you'll all be fertilizing daffodils. Um, in the end, yeah. you know, I think that there's nothing that says how long we're gonna live on this planet. And it sort of answers the question when people ask me if I worry about my safety. Um, in the end, I, don't, I have no control over how long I live on this planet. It's the quality of life that I have when I'm here. And I believe we go on, whether we reincarnate or, or our DNA or ourselves become a part of something greater, whether that's God or light, there is no end. And I think that's probably the greatest teaching that we need to wrap our heads around that is, you know, been spoken to us by every religion, every prophet throughout time is that life is more than just this physical body we're living in. And if we could understand that and get away from our fear of death, it would be a lot harder to manipulate us into situations like we see our society now. Our fear of death is why we're here. And so we can't fear death for our friends that have made choices different than ours. We've got to celebrate this life as it exists and recognize we're all a part of something much more brilliant and something bigger than ourselves. Wow. Well, that was great. I have so many more questions, but I think because of time, I'm going to pass you to Marion. I appreciate the, the, the interaction that I had with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. And I, I would agree, too, with Steve, some of what you were saying, like, Dell, your message is very positive and there's hope and empowering people. And then I think also like practically looking at it, you know, some people know quite a few people have taken the shot and we hear projections on how many percent of people are expected to die within, you know, so many years from now. Um, I'm not sure what kind of your latest is on that just to so people can kind of wrap their heads around and just dealing with that that situation. What would your projection um, be on what we can expect in the next few years? 
Well, you know, a lot of the work I do, I always try to make sure that I state that, you know, when I do my show, The High Wire, on Monday, if you're in my newsletter, I send links to all of the science I'm referencing, all the peer-reviewed science, all the articles that we're referencing, because people need to do their own research, you know, and I, and I try to avoid things just being opinion. I like them based in science. You know, what we're going to try and do right here in this conversation is speculation. Nobody knows. Nobody really knows. And look, I pray that this, you know, incredible vehicle that we're riding in our human bodies somehow, as they always have, figure out a way through, that our immune system learns to deal with the spike protein, this vaccine that's been injected into it. It's an incredibly resilient, brilliant, um, in, you know, creation uh, that we have here. And our immune system is just dynamic and brilliant. But, you know, when we look at how the human species rep responded to similar vaccinations, as I've said, uh, to issues like this, when we look at the problems that are taking place, when we look at the injuries that have happened immediately, like some of the nurses that were on my show that are having this issue with muscle spasms, I mean, painful. It's like they're in a constant seizure, body shaking. We're seeing these videos all over the internet uh, after vaccination. It also reminds me of, of, it looks very similar to the injuries to the girls, many of the girls that received the Gardasil uh, HPV vaccine. Although we always believed that was aluminum that was creating that issue. And maybe through this vaccine that doesn't have aluminum, we'll recognize that it's actually something different. Maybe it's an immune system reaction. But with all of that being said, um, here's what I would say. If the science that we're looking at, and, and this is after I've interviewed world-renowned scientists. This isn't just an opinion. Looking at the trials, looking at the problems with coronavirus vaccines and the animal trials, I think what we have got to prepare ourselves for is one of the greatest mass extinction events of humanity, of, of the human species that's ever been witnessed. Um, I believe it's going to begin or is beginning now, but will start to really show its face in the fall as the flu and coronavirus, as we always do, that cold season comes. Let me explain um, just scientifically what we're looking at. Uh, the, it's called antibody-dependent enhancement. Also, immune enhancement, you'll see disease enhancement is how the CDC references it, or pathogenic priming. And this is what happened in the animal trials, and this is what we're worried about. When they injected, over the last 20 years, every attempt at a coronavirus vaccine injected their attempt, that vaccine, into the animals. It looked like it was safe, just like we heard this was safe. Uh, the animals didn't die, so they said, oh, it's working great. Then they drew the blood on the animals, and they looked at it under a microscope and said, look, we can see the antibodies. The, the, the immune system's kicking in. The vaccine's working. The animals are creating robust amounts of antibodies. You know, at that point, they're probably clinking champagne glasses in the laboratories. But then the animal trials all go a step further than human trials usually go, which is a challenge study where they actually challenge the animal or inject them with coronavirus to see how the vaccine works. And every single time, let me say that again, every single time, not one time, not two times, not just, you know, a few, every version of this vaccine that was attempted, every time they did this study in animals, the, the uh, antibodies appeared to not actually protect the animal like they were expected to, but to sort of cling on to the virus and draw it deeper into the cells faster, um, creating a, 
you know, a sort of a more prolific event of spreading through the body faster, which then sets the immune system into overdrive, something we call a cytokine storm, or it's like a nuclear meltdown of your immune system that leads to difficulty breathing. Immunopathology in the lungs, a TH2 immunopathology in the lungs is how it's described in these trials leading to uh, loss of breath, organ failure many times, and in, in many of these cases, uh, the animals died. Not every case, but they all got extremely sick. So when you think that is the history of this vaccine in animals, and then we warp speed into human beings, a brand new approach to a coronavirus vaccine, the mRNA vaccine approach that had never been injected into humans before is now suddenly we are those lab rats. We are now the lab rats of the world. It is incredible to me the arrogance with which they have rushed this out to the public given the, the diabolical history that these vaccines have. So with that in our you know, rear view mirror and knowing that that's where we're coming from, what we would expect to see if human beings react to these vaccines the way they have uh, in the to the, animal, in the animals did, um, is that this fall, the flu viruses and the coronaviruses, our bodies, as, as we just discussed earlier, that I, I did a football scenario, the vaccinated have been given specific antibodies, meaning their antibodies have all been aligned to only look, to only fight the you know alpha coronavirus, that first strain of coronavirus that we think came out of Wuhan or wherever it came from. It does not, it is not designed it has no, we're wiping out our non-specific antibodies, which is our natural immune system. Non-specific meaning our natural immune system will fight any invader. I say it's like being attacked on all sides. There's burglars coming through the door. It doesn't matter if they're black, white, yellow, red, what they're wearing. Our immune system sees them all as enemies, attacks them and kills them no matter what they are. In this case, we're only looking for one specific person and all the rest are going to come through the doors of our immune and go right past our immune system undetected because we blinded ourselves. We blinded our immune system to all of the variants that are going to be nat natural. And so that, that underperformance then of the vaccine is what we're worried will lead to this immune enhancement. The fact that it won't, it'll kind of respond, it'll sort of maybe bump the virus as it goes by, but not actually stop it. And that will lead to the immune system then re recognizing at some point, wait a minute, what happened? I'm invaded in every cell of my body. And then it overreacts. Then it drives into this hyperdrive. And then that's like, it's like a histamine reaction. It's like an allergic reaction to a bee. At that point, your body is under attack and your entire immune system attacks your whole body. And that's going to lead to death in many, many people. I know I'm long-winded on all your questions, but I really want people to understand. I'd rather like answer thoroughly uh, a few questions. So if that happens, that means that the millions of people, I think they're saying, you know, roughly a hundred million or more in America have primed their immune system with this vaccine. They currently have S proteins, this, this deadly bioweapon being produced by their cells. Their immune systems are cranking out antibodies to fight them. But what we're not sure about is if the cells will stop producing antibodies. These nurses I've been talking to are still shaking six months later. They, the one told me in, on the show, I think two weeks ago, she's taking ivermectin, which works temporarily until she stops taking it. Uh, I'm a layperson, I'm not a doctor, but that says to me that if you're taking a product that we think blocks the sort of receptors of the, 
of the spike protein that is blocking, if, as soon as it goes away, if there's more spike protein to get in there, then the body must not be stopping the production. So that's one problem. But the issue really is going to be all of these people, when they catch their next flu or they catch their next coronavirus, this vaccine has trained them to not fight it, to not fight that variant, to not develop antibodies and stop it and kill it dead, but to let it permeate the entire system. I think we're going to see millions and millions of people incredibly sick uh, and many of them dying. And my concern is that that overrun of the hospitals that was a fake uh, news story last year that drove us into this panic will actually be a reality this year as the vaccinated start filling hospitals because their bodies are not going to be handling what would just be another coronavirus, another cold or another flu. Uh, we're going to have an epic pandemic. And let me just say that the things that sort of also make me nervous that I'm right is when we see Rochelle Walensky say this week unequivocally, this vaccine has lost the ability to stop infection and stop transmission. You are going to need to wear a mask even if you're all vaccinated in a fully vaccinated room. Here's where I'm at, and people can challenge me on this. My view of humanity is we tend to lie. We tend to fib to protect ourselves, especially our government. Our government has been bold-faced lying about many of the attributes of, va of vaccination, the attributes of masking, the attributes of locking down. If they're admitting to us that the viral load in the vaccinated now is as high as the unvaccinated and that they are not stopping infection or transmission, thereby really destroying any argument for a vaccine mandate anywhere in this country, what I ask myself is, what really is the truth? If that is what they have decided they will announce to the public, what are they not announcing to the public? I think they are seeing this diabolical train coming their way and they're trying to make excuses about it. They're trying to say it's gonna be the fault of the, the unvaccinated uh, because they've got nowhere to go. They've made a catastrophic error. I believe the numbers could be in the millions. If it really goes wrong, we could see you know a billion of people die around the planet. It may not happen the first flu season. Maybe some will hold immunity. Maybe their vaccine will last long enough. It'll happen the next flu season. But I would say starting this fall, over the next two years, you will see an, an obvious and recognizable destruction of humanity. And I don't think it will be lost on anyone in the end of two years what caused it. There may be confusion at first. They may blame anti-vaxxers at first, but it will become more and more obvious as the vaccinated are the ones that are suffering this demise that what really took place here. So that's sort of a very long answer to your question. Thank you. I'll just ask one more before Jean um, jumps in. And that would be, what do you see as the best path forward for people, um, the minority of people right now who are listening to this show or things like this, and they're not going to get get the jab. They've made up their mind. They know a little bit what's going on. And this, you know, more our freedoms are being taken away. And then the narrative, it's the unvaccinated people who are the spreaders. What would be in a, the, yeah, the best the best path to um, whether you call it, you know, organize or, you know, peacefully yeah. share information or help um, one another. So, uh, you know, this is that time. What I would say is pull your head out of the sand. Uh, you're not imagining things. We live in one of those incredible times. This is a founding father's moment. This is a civil rights 
moment. The, you know, the blood of Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and Malcolm X and Martin Luther King is coursing through your veins and it is telling you that you are needed now, that this is a war for your freedom. This is a battle for the planet Earth um, uh, and, and, you know, sort of wringing it from the hands of people that, you know, I think they mean well. I mean, I think Bill Gates actually thinks he's God and is the only knows the only way forward uh but we need to recognize what's happening here but i want to correct one thing because i think it is what's going to help us is your statement that we're the minority that's actually not true uh for the first time in history this conversation about health freedom we are now holding at least the line at 50 percent um, and i believe a, a friend of mine really pointed out because only 50 percent of this nation is technically considered vaccinated um, uh, the last I checked, we were about 49.6% of Americans had received both of the vaccinations. The CDC does not consider you vaccinated until you've had both vaccinations. Uh, and as the rest of the world takes on that third booster, you're going to recognize that you're not vaccinated until you get that third booster. How many of the vaccinated do you think are going to go and get sick again from the vaccine, take a third shot, risk that awful illness they got during their second shot, uh, when they see that the the two shots only lasted about four weeks before they said it's waning, you need to wear a mask, this is going nowhere. We've got to recognize, as those of us that never even stepped in this program, that we are the 50%. And as every single poll and every study has described us, we are also the the more intelligent, you know, college-educated uh, and tend to be more affluent part of the society. That is who is not vaccinated. Um, and so they'll try to say other things, um, but that is the case. And so when they tried to give us free donuts and free beer and free lap dances and maybe a lottery ticket win in California, as it turns out, intelligent people don't buy lottery tickets and we tend to not eat donuts or drink too much beer. We certainly don't need it for free and it didn't work. What I want to say is the manipulation is the first thing you got to do is turn off your television because it's making us say things like we're the minority. They have just changed their language over the last week where they've gotten away from saying you need two shots. So they're saying 70% of America's gotten at least one shot. That makes us feel like we're the minority. But guess what? What they mean is 70% of adults, they didn't get the children. It's still not mandated on children. And that sets up about 70 or 75 million Americans that are not vaccinated either. And their parents are standing up for them. You have the one shot. If you take the one shot away, they're back to 49%. And so, and then imagine that at least half of those people that have been vaccinated didn't want it, did it under duress, whether their job was making them do it, or they were worried about not being able to travel, or maybe they had a spouse or a grand, you know, they wanted to see their grandkids. All of these things, half of that is a very uninspired group of people that got the vaccine under duress. So where are they going to be as we move into the future? I say all of this because they want us to believe we're a minority. They want us to believe that we are staring at insurmountable odds. When the truth is we are in the majority and we are the smarter amongst us on this planet. This is ours to win. And that is my message. Don't be afraid. Our issue is we're not talking about it.
in Hollywood, my phone's ringing off the hook from all of my friends that said Disney, who I work for, is now saying I have to be vaccinated. You guys need to start talking to each other. If you recognize that you, uh, you own half of Hollywood, then you can boycott any set. Disney will lose money and this thing is over. It's our silence. It's our sitting quietly worrying and quivering that we're going to be outnumbered and outmanned that is giving them the advantage when we actually have the advantage. We need to share our stories. We need to talk about our truths. We need to share the high wire and, and, and podcasts like this with everyone we know so that we start recognizing how many of us there really are because it is time to have this army stand up, this army of truth, and claim what is rightfully ours, which is this planet, this government, our time. That's my message to those people. Thank you. Thanks for the correction, too. I think sometimes it just feels like that. Good point. Jane, I'll they pass want it, it to you. They feel like that. They want us to feel like that. We, that's the one. we got to cure that in ourselves and our need to feel like that. And believe me, I want to be clear because, I mean, all of you are questioning that. I have bad days. And let me be clear. You know, usually Monday is when all the bad news hits, and I'm kind of like, how are we going to get through this? And then Tuesday, I start seeing the light. Wednesday, I'm ready to rock. And Thursday, we crank, crank out a rock and show. So it's not like I'm impervious. These are definitely dangerous times, and people we love and care about are being lost to them. And, and living in fear, I mean, whether they die or not, the fear with which so many people are living their lives is so tragic. But again, uh, I think our job is to live by example and not carry ourselves in fear. I mean, to be afraid of the virus is really inane, but to be afraid of people that are, you know, telling us to be afraid of the virus is also just as dangerous. We all have to relieve ourselves of the stress of fear and stand in our power. That's our best way forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Dell. I just love what you're saying. And we have to remember that we're constantly being bombarded by subliminal messages and even unseen messages. And we need to stand strong against that too. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just, I want to just kind of repeat what you were saying in that we need to take back our power. We need to remember how powerful we are and a piece of something much greater. And we've all, you know, had moments where we've given away that power to to something that outside of ourselves. And as a homeopath, I've learned to question everything and look at all sides before making any decision. And I think people have been programmed to believe and trust in something in front of themselves, you know, a TV or whatever program programming is happening there. I just want you to comment on the media and you know, maybe give people a little history lesson on 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 that and where we are right now, because it's a big influence in a lot of people's decisions. You know, it's arguably the greatest problem we have in our society today is the media. Um, and 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 shockingly more so here than probably China or North Korea. And I and I say that because in China and North Korea, they know they're being lied to. Uh, they've grown up in a system and they all know that it's propaganda and their government used the news to manipulate them into, you know, whatever sector or, or space they're supposed to be in. Our problem in America and probably in England and other nations like this, Australia, is we still have this belief that somehow the, the news is, is free speech and it's 
free and it's open and it's informing me of what's really happening in the world. And, you know, I know Fox is lying, but Rachel Maddow is telling me the truth or vice versa. I mean, you can play any side of this game. Um, the truth is they're all being funded by your enemies. They're all being funded by multinational corporations that seek to make billions of dollars off of your life. Um, and especially pharma right now. Pharma is the number one investing or advertising body in uh, news and television here in America. So that means, uh, and so, uh, you know, people say to me, Dell, if what you were saying was true, it would be on CNN by now. It would be on MSNBC by now. No, it would not. It would not. Because, you know, when you're watching Rachel Maddow, you must recognize her boss, the person signing her checks is essentially pharma. She's not allowed to tell a story. Sanjay Gupta, who's a doctor, cannot tell you the truth. He even basically admitted that recently uh, when uh, he was asked, once this whole Wuhan lab came thing issue really came to light, I lost my YouTube channel and my Facebook channel because I dared to say that the evidence appeared to me that this had come from a lab and no one was allowed to say that and no one was allowed to question that. Well, now we know that the paper that came from the WHO and was published, I think it was in the, was in the British Medical Journal or, or one of those, maybe the Lancet, uh, that said that the, there was no way this had to be natural, was written by Dazak himself, who was funding the laboratory. So all of this is coming to light, right? But, you know, the media lied about it. And Sanjay Gupta, once Robert Redfield, I mean, uh, was it? Yeah, Robert Redfield came out of the head of the CDC once he wasn't working for the government. He said, I believed all along this was a lab leak. That's what made the most sense. And then he said that to Sanjay Gupta. And then Sanjay Gupta admits, you know, that's always been my suspicion too. Really? Really, that was your suspicion? Yet you lied to the world. You sat in a network that told us all this could only be a natural bat-derived virus. And when you think of how dangerous that lie is, this, that means this very well, you always knew this very well could be a planned bio-attack on the world. And you as a news agency and as a reporter lied to us about that. That's a fact. That's just what happened. And that's who we're listening to. And what we've got to do is stop saying, well, he you know, had to go along. We, we're, we're, we make excuses for this and we keep listening to what they're saying. Oh, I know they're lying about vaccines, but they're telling the truth about global warming. A liar is a liar is a liar. And when you're funded by the industries that are lying to us, that is all you're allowed to do. And so we've got to recognize in this country and around the world that the media is now just a propaganda machine for powerful industries and our government. That's all that it is. And so it's never telling you the whole story. It's never telling you the truth. And by the way, that is what Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and George Washington wrote about, is that if we ever lose a free press, if we ever allow a press to be influenced by government or industries where it doesn't you know, uh, fulfill its role as the fourth estate, or the fourth branch of government, as it was referenced to by our founding fathers, meaning our democracy or our republic only works if media stays outside of it and always is able to challenge it, no matter how uncomfortable it may be, that it will ask the hard questions of our government, ask the hard questions of our industry, so that they're always held accountable. And look, those questions may not always be right. We may be wrong in the challenges we're making, but then if we're wrong, it should be easy to prove that we're wrong. 
science should be excited to step up and say, here's where Del Bigtree's wrong about this vaccine. And we'd love to sit down with him on television and explain how he's got it wrong. Science loves that. I love that. Science should love a debate. And certainly our politicians should love a debate. Not to say we're going to censor anybody that disagrees, as Jen Psaki said about two weeks ago, talking about this disinformation dozen, that they need to be silenced. They need to be quieted. They cannot have a voice anywhere on social media. Um, this is, we are watching what amazingly, you know, our founding fathers all the way back in 1776 signed their name to the Declaration of Independence, said to a deadly power structure, you know where to find me, you know what my name is. They were the ones that said, you have got to keep your media free from being conflicted through industrial financing or governmental financing. And yet that's exactly what we've let happen. We have let our, you know, our news agencies be run by multinational special interest corporations and the governments that they also fund. Pharma's not just funding the propaganda in our news, they're funding the politicians that are passing laws to try and take your rights away. All of that needs to be fixed as we move into that new future. But the best thing you can do right now you know, I think of that old movie network, which deserves, I think, a remake right now. We need to throw our televisions out the window, say I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. That is the answer. Do not trust anyone in media. And let me make that clear. Don't trust me either. I don't want your blind trust. I want you to look at the evidence I'm showing you. We are on the high wire. Um, we, we've started what we call the high wire protocol which is we give, we, as I said before, we put the evidence of everything we say on our show in your hands, all of the studies, not just the paragraphs I read, not just the cherry picking that I've done to try and tell the story quickly. I hand the whole document to you and I'm expecting you to read it. I want you to read it. I want you to see where my information is coming from. And I want you to reach out to me and say, Dell, I'm seeing this study in a different way than you saw it. Please do that but we're demanding that all news agencies do that. Instead, they're screaming that I'm spreading misinformation and nothing is fact-based. In fact, Business Insider uh, told me they were gonna write an article about uh, ICANN this week, that we're spreading information without any facts. And I simply said, um, well then, will you please provide us with what statements we've made that aren't fact in fact? Uh, suddenly the phone has gone dead. They are, I don't know what they're gonna do. Maybe they're gonna write an article and say I didn't respond. All I wanted was tell me exactly what you mean, what statements I'm making. We've got to demand facts. We've got to demand evidence from our news agencies. We've got to demand proof for what they're saying, not experts. Experts are not the proof. Seeing Tony Fauci tell you something just because he's worked at an NIH for 40 or 50 years does not mean that that's the truth. You've got to ask for the evidence. When Walensky and these people are saying, we're going to start masking you again, as, as Americans, we've got a demand from our news. Show me the science that proves that masks ever worked. Certainly you've done it by now. It's been a whole year of this atrocity. And by the way, go ahead and while you're at it, explain to us why the virus is still here, why we're still having to lock down. If wearing the mask was only supposed to be two weeks and it would be months and months of our lives, if it worked, why is the virus still here? We've got to get back to critical thinking. We've got to demand better from our news agencies. And if they don't deliver it, we've got to throw our TV out the window. Amen. Well said, Del. You know, and just take responsibility. We, take, we, right. we research more about what oil we put in our car. 
Thank you so much. I want to ask you about your comments on the who, which is the other one I get. Oh, but the who said. <laughs> but I think I'm going to pass you to Hartman just for time. Thank you, Han. Thank you so much for everything you do. All right. Um, it's a real pleasure to have you here on the, on the show, Dale. But I think Grace has a question from the audience. Grace? Yes. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. So, of course, we want the, the audience to be part of this. Uh, it says, that's the question, what's Dell think is going to happen when the FDA approves the vaccine? Um, well, I mean, everything that we would expect would happen. You're going to see a, a real sweeping desire to start passing mandates. There'll be pressures by our governments on airlines. Uh, everything that they're going to do everything they can to make it difficult and uncomfortable to remain unvaccinated. Uh, they will probably ban us from restaurants. We will not be able to travel. They're going to, you know, it, our driver's license may come into play. If they really want to get mean, they could say that you can't go into a grocery store to buy groceries and then maybe you want it delivered. Uh, if you want to see, a, you know, a really dark space out there, you could imagine a place where they say we're not even going to send a delivery person. All of these things will be attempts to try and pressure uh, everybody into compliance. There's this compliance is needed by uh, more than just the WHO or Gavi uh, or our health departments. It's a compliance that's going to lead to many other issues that they want to control us. If you watch Klaus Schwab and the, and the World Economic Forum, just watch the video they put out. They tell you right up front, they're not lying to you. In fact, they think that you're going to agree with the idea that in the future, no one will own every anything. Everyone will be a renter and they'll be happier because of it. No one will eat meat. They'll all be eating processed synthetic meats. And the United States of America will no longer be a leading superpower in the world. All of these are statements being made um, by this, uh, you know, the Great Reset people, the World Economic Forum, where, you know, President Biden is visiting, Obama is visiting, you know, uh, Trudeau out of Canada, Macron. They've all been meeting in this think tank that desires to take away all of our freedoms. And so as, as freeing as it may be for some people never have to worry about owning anything, what you've got to ask yourself is, I'm renting from somebody. So who are they? And so they don't seem to be giving up on ownership. And I'm going to assume it's all of you in the room making the video telling me that I don't want to own anything. Um, this is where this is all leading. But as I've said before, um, I think this vaccine is so disastrous that and I, and I think the irony of it, is, you know, I sort of joke with friends is I don't know what their long term game was, because in the end, they're killing the people that believed in them. They're killing the people that followed them. They're killing the people that listened to them. And they're going to be stuck with a world full of anti-vaxxers. I don't know what Bill Gates wanted from the world, but when he's done doing this, he's only going to have neighbors of anti-vaxxers. And we're probably going to move into those mansions at a fairly cheap price around him because they will not be there because of those that listen. So in many ways, I think we've just got to survive this last push, this last insane moment. We're going to be attacked. We may be hunted at some point. They're going to, as they're dying and filling up hospitals, all of media is going to make them hate us, those of us that didn't take the product. We're going to have to be smart. We're going to have to carry ourselves carefully. I'm still waiting for some download or vision as to how we're going to do that. I don't have an answer for that. 
I just have a sense that, you know, as of, as of uh, this morning, I just got my first beehives put into place on my property. I just started raising chickens, you know, six weeks ago. I'm starting to prepare my property and the land. Uh, we did a whole show on a food forest. If you just have a lawn out front, you may want to stop growing something that is doing nothing for your life and start putting food into your yard because you may need it. Food shortages are on the way. All of these things are coming because these idiots of darkness, the Neanderthals of science, are going to make a last-ditch attempt to make our lives miserable in order to win. They will fail, but it's going to be very uncomfortable for those of us that are standing up against them. And uh, let's see, this one, uh, Jay has a, lot, a number of questions, but let me bring one of them. How do we protect the children? That's for you. That's for you. Oh, I didn't hear yeah. it. I didn't hear it. Oh. Okay. How do we protect the children? That's from one of the viewers, and she's one of us as well. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you protect the children the way my parents protected me. You have to pull them out of school immediately. It's just that simple. Uh, there's no two ways about this. If you are in a public or even a private school at this point, then you are gambling with your child's life. You're gambling with their minds, uh, what they're thinking. They're being brainwashed by this dark force that is telling them that their bodies and the only way they survive on this planet is injecting themselves with pharmaceutical chemicals. There's no reason to be there. Uh, you know, we developed a co-op, a homeschool co-op here in Texas when we saw this coming. Um, and so we have created a space where, you know, nearly 100 families are bringing their kids together. We do our own teaching ourselves, but we've hired teachers. There's a ways through all of these things, and you've got to start doing it now while you have time. Um, I know there's people that say, I can't afford it, or I'm a single parent, or all those things. And I would say, go ahead and imagine watching a film where the Nazis are trying to do something to the Jewish people and the argument to, you know, I'm gonna just have to get on that train because I'm a single mother and I can't afford it. You don't get on the train and you don't put your kids in a school now. You cannot do it. You've got to reach down deep inside of yourself. And I know there, those of you who are out there that are struggling. My parents were poor when they pulled me out of school. My dad was just a minister in a very tiny church of 50 people. Trust me, we didn't have a lot of money, but I was the priority of my parents. Our kids have got to be our priority. We've got to make sacrifices on the trips we want to take, the cars we want to buy. Our investment has got to be in our children now. How do we protect them? Get them away from these idiots. Get them away from this darkness. Bring them up with people that think like you do, around children that think like they do, that are going to grow up and be the avatars and the superstars of the future to save this world. They need to know each other. They need to be with each other. Make that happen now. Um, Del, uh, thank you so much for your words. I'm really impressed. The whole time when I, when I, when I was listening to you, I asked myself, how has this man become what he is right now? And the interesting thing is, you said it, it was the teaching of your parents. That's right. And um, because this, um, this brainwashing goes back to the 60s. And, um, and um, you said, it, uh, you, you asked the question, how, what is the target? And um, I had a very interesting conversation with uh, with a professor a couple of weeks ago, 
And he said, a healthy society is based on politics, economics, and ideology. And if you have a brainwashed society, a demoralized society, you have no, this brainwashed society has no chance to understand the difference between truth and a lie. Right. And um, so, on the one hand, um, they have found the people who are, let's say, become not able to, to understand this anymore. So they, these are the people who trust everyone what they say. But at the end, it's not a society. The ideology is missing. It's only politics and economics. And, yes. and if, um, if, and if uh, the people who are anti-vaccined, they are people who have a feeling for right and wrong. So they have the feeling for ideology. And yeah. they want to, and let's say it this way, maybe <laughs> they want to reduce this kind of people to 500. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that is that's possible. I mean that we are in in essence the the enemy to uh, the destruction of ideology, the destruction of critical thinking, um, and they will they you know they've drawn their line in the sand. I mean this isn't going to be easy. You know when you watch Tony Fauci on the stand, Rand Paul gave him an out saying you know you said you weren't involved in gain of function research. I'm going to give you an opportunity to correct that statement, and he didn't. You have to recognize at that moment, these people are playing till the end. This is a fight to the death for what we believe in. And we've got to take it that seriously. Uh, you know, we, we can no longer think this is just going to naturally go away on its own. They've drawn the line in the sand. And if we want a future apart from the destruction of what, you know, uh, great nations before us and our founding fathers have stood for, our right to emancipation and, and, and freedom, uh, and an education, um, then we're going to have to recognize that our opponents have said, we're taking this to the death. What are we willing to do? Uh, what are we willing to stand for? And I think when we think about our kids, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, they, they come up to me and say, Dell, you know, you're saving the world. And, you know, it, it's just incredible the sacrifice you've made as though I'm some sort of altruistic being. But the truth is, is I don't know if I'm not here if I don't have my own kids. I don't know if I'm not here if it's not my own body I don't want to have poisoned. We don't have to look very far. You don't have to be Jesus Christ to understand what's happening here. You're under attack. You know, yes. what are you going to do about it? Your children are under attack. Their freedom is under attack. They will be in shackles, essentially, unable to really travel. They'll never see the world. These people are going to stick us in cubicles. They're teaching us to live there every day now. If we do not, you know, revolt and, and push back against this, then we, and I think Scott Atlas put it very well when he was working with Donald Trump, a line I'll never forget. He said, you get what you accept. And that's where we're at. We will be stuck with what we accept now. And in case you're worried, you know, about being a rebel, remember that the United States of America is founded on the nature of the rebel. And Thomas Jefferson said, you know, essentially, if there is an unjust law, not only are you allowed to defy it, you are expected and demanded to do so. That is what a free country and a free citizen does. We've got to step into that. We've got to stand in that. And so when it comes to our children, when it comes to all of these things, we, you know, we're, 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 
busy. We're lazy. We don't want this to be our time. We don't want this to have to be our burden. But guess what? It is. There is only denying it or accepting it. And once you accept it, it's not that you accept that you die in it. You now have to stand up and fight for what you believe in. And, and so it's a great moment. This is a great moment to be alive. This is what, you know, how many bored civilizations, how many times we read our history books and, you know, dream about as a young man, you know, what it would have been like to be with George Washington when he crosses that Potomac and really changes the course of that war. That's never going to be me. What would it have been like to be standing next to Martin Luther King as the police were coming in and swinging their clubs, but standing there in defiance against it? Uh, that isn't my moment. But, in, you know, in all of its beauty, it is. In all of its dangers, it is. It is that moment. It is our moment. And we have the opportunity now to fill those pages of the history books the way every great human that came before us did. This is our time. Uh, I want people to stop crying and whining about it. We should be celebrating it. This could have been a boring ride. I mean, you know, life in many ways, I, I joke with my friends, you're killing time till you die. Do you want to be in bumper cars or do you want to be on the roller coaster that's going up and down and is an outrageous, incredible experience? We are in one of the most incredible lifetimes that has ever been and ever will be. Give thanks for that and then step up to what's being requested of you to be a part of it. And this is what you said, uh, it was founded by rebels, and the rebel has the character of a warrior. That's Proud, right. honor, courage, yeah, sacrifice. And, and I want to emphasize the brainwashing again. We, are, uh, we have um, learned to live in harmony, but this harmony is so much, let's say we are so much harmony addicted that uh, we, uh, we, uh, we have lost the courage to see the truth. And, um, and you said your grandfather was in the Union. And this is also very important. When um, in the 90s, when all this esoteric stuff came, came up, yeah, you learned you're responsible for your life, you're responsible for your thoughts and blah. This is true. But the problem is on the same side, on the same side is that you are accidentally alone because you are responsible for yourself okay if you are responsible and you don't get it go to the social ministry and get the money yeah right. and the commit and the the union when your grandfather was in there was a commitment among the people yes and so there so the we are living in a, in a society which is brainwashed addicted to harmony feeling alone and then to um, to establish a revolution, because they haven't learned the rebel characters. Or right. um, this is uh, this is the problem. And and the other side knows everything. They know how how long we philosoph how long we do the philosophy before we start doing actions. That's right. They're yeah. counting on it. They trained us for this moment. They expect that they're going to win. Um, and, you know, again, I was very surprised, actually. I think it was just about a month ago. I, too, was wondering why we aren't marching in America. I'm seeing a million people in Berlin and a million people in London. Uh, but it was in the middle of the night that I was watching the news, and CBS said 42% of America is now vaccinated. Uh, and they were talking about how all of the vaccine centers are now empty. All the stadiums are being closed down. 
And I really got a new, I mean, I'm always hopeful, but a real um, sense of hope that though my brothers and sisters in America have not stepped out into the streets quietly, that rebellion, that nature, that warrior spirit is clearly still alive in us that kept us from acquiescing to the pressure and, and the, the constant mantra by the media. It didn't work on us. And that says that there's hope. It says that there's many of us that have not succumbed to that brainwashing. Uh, and now we've got to try and help our brothers and sisters, you know, to wake up to recognize the brainwashing that's being attempted. And every day that is happening, people are waking up, um, but it's, it's gonna be hard. And yes, they are counting on it. Um, they're counting on uh, our complacency. They're counting in, in, in many ways, all these transhumanists and that they want to start injecting us with, you know, the internet in our brain and connecting us and, you know, microbots into our bodies to handle our health system. They think we, the truth is, is they don't think there's going to be an opposition because they think we want this. I mean, in many ways, they're just, they're insane. They think we all think like they do. And so we've got to step up and, and remind them, you know, and, and, you know, I look back at the Brave New World, that novel, you know, by Aldous Huxley, the wild man, the natural man. I mean, that is the battle in that book between just being totally complacent to a system that controls you. And there's still these group of people that just never went along with it. We are those people. We are that future. We're going to have to find a balance with technology that is racing out of control. Uh, and we've got to do that quickly. And it's part of where my conversations and my investigations are now going. What is this leading to? What is this world that the people and the players that have foisted this giant lie upon us, what are they trying to get to? So people that tune in the highway over the next few weeks, I'm going into a much less comfortable place for me, uh, a space I don't understand much. I'm going to be talking about banking. We're going to start looking at uh, transhumanism and the fourth industrial revolution that I believe is upon us. Um, we've got to start waking up and then looking at, you know, really understanding our enemy because we don't understand them and we don't understand ourselves. Like you've said, if we don't understand that we've been brainwashed and that we need to come out of that sleep, then we will not be victorious. We've got to be more honest with ourselves. We've got to do our own personal work to become more dynamic human beings. And then we can't be afraid to pull back that curtain and look this monster in the eyes and truly understand it. If we do all of those things, then I think we will prove that we were greatly underestimated by those that thought they could brainwash us and just you know, carry us off a cliff uh, under our sheets while we were asleep. And, and you said it, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's all about who we are. This is the question. And um, maybe, okay, I believe in the reincarnation. And so my DNA knows all my life passes. And so it doesn't matter which, how the life is right now. So I'm, so I'm the most developed or I'm the, I'm the last update. Yeah. And the, and the interesting thing is um, when they want to, uh, let's say it this way, this update has, for example, a specific feeling for truth. And, um, and if they want to um, stop, for example, raising babies naturally or creating babies yeah. naturally, they are stopping this kind of evolution of, of looking for the truth. Yeah. So, um, and this is also... Uh, let's say a vibration of lower consciousness so they want to diminish all this consciousness and so we will have uh, maybe uh, a society 
where the people live in peace and have maybe enough to eat and to drink and to watch TV, but they will never know the history anymore because this is completely deleted. You know, as you were speaking, it just popped in my head, and I don't know if it addresses it, but I do think that when we look at this, the they or whatever that is, uh, they're incredibly intellectual beings, but what they are not is they have no heart and they have no intuition. Um, you yes. know, if you look at a lot of these guys, these trillionaires that are in charge, I mean, they're freezing the heads of their, you know, their parents in cryogenics so that maybe they can bring them back. They're afraid of dying. But just that idea of freezing a head as though your head is the only important part of your entire being. And when you talk about it, that is their weakness and it is their blind spot. And it's why we're winning. It's why when they're attacking people like me and they're angry and saying, you know, for literally Business Insider wants me to admit that I am personally responsible for the 50% of America that is now not vaccinating. Um, I, I'd love to take on that responsibility. I'd love to say that, but that would be insane. I mean, it's just not true. I don't have that level of power, but they're imbuing that power upon me because they don't understand anything else. Like clearly my, my what, my two hour talk show every week on the internet is outpacing your 24 hour news cycle on every channel you've got. It makes no sense except that I'm telling the truth. And I have one advantage over all of them and we all do. I speak to the heart of people. I speak from reason. I'm touching their hearts. And if they wanted to sell this vaccine, they should have figured out a way to make people believe in it. Instead, they're going to try now to force it upon us, which will be even more disastrous for them. So our advantage, we've got to remember, is speak to the heart. And as we try to wake up, you know, our brothers and sisters in this, you know, a lot of times we go in, we throw all this data we know at them. You're doing the same thing the TV is already doing to them. You're doing what is a failed process. Don't inspire their brain, inspire their heart. I was just talking to my sister, uh, my, my half-sister uh, yesterday, whose mother is vacillating on this issue. And she's like, she knows the science. I've read the science to her. I've, I've, I've given her the science. And I said, have you shown her any of the videos of people, you know, that are having seizures right after the vaccination? Well, no, but I, I've shown her the studies. I've shown her, no, 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 no. Make her feel, make that empathy come alive in her. Make her feel for the people that are actually injured. Open up that center in her and you will open up her true thinking space, the true thinking space of human beings, not these lizard brains that are trying to take over the world. They can only win if we stay in our lizard brain with them. Open up our hearts, open up the hearts of those you care about. Ask them questions. Don't just tell them what you know. Ask them why they think they believe in the vaccine. Let them be heard when no one is hearing them. Open up their heart and then we can change this conversation. Brilliant, yes. And, uh, and one last comment uh, concerning the power of truth. We can go in the history of, of the dictatorship of Greece. And um, in the 19, I, don't, I think it was 1973, 1974, and the interesting thing is the military dictatorship was stopped because the media was faster than the politicians. And the, politici and the media showed the truth, what was happening in Greece. So that the European Union could not accept this country as a partner of the European Union and they had to change their regime. Yeah. And this is the power of, of truth. This is the power of the media. 
And of course, the dark side has learned about that. And this is the reason why are we are facing the situation what we are facing right now. Yep. But we have social media. We still have the internet. We have podcasts like this. And if we continue to bring the wave of truth that we are capable of, if everybody keeps sharing these videos, if we stand in that, they cannot stop all of us. We overrun the system. This is our media. We didn't lose, you know, mainstream media is dying. CNN has dropped 68% of its viewership over the last year. All of those are signs that people know better. They may not know where they're going, but they know what they don't want. Let's start living into and showing people what they do want. Not only do we have to give them the truth, we have to start representing. We've got to carry ourselves in joy. We've got to carry ourselves um, in, in, in hope and in faith because that is enviable when you see it. If we are just as dark and depressed, as worried as those that are terrified of the virus, which doesn't exist, then we cannot help them out. We are not those shining lights. We need to be the light. We need to carry ourselves accordingly. We've got to recognize there's so much, something so much bigger than us at play here. And we are a part of that. We are a part of that change that has always won, that has won in Greece, has always won all over the world. It always does win. So let's be aware of that and let's help it along. Well, thank you so much, Dell. It was a real pleasure talking to you. This is you. a brilliant statement. Thank you. Adele, um, I hope you have a few more minutes. Just there are a few questions, but you could take one question and see what happens. And okay. for all our viewers, please, if we don't get a chance to bring all the questions, we will promise that we will eventually, Dell will come back again in the future. And so that's one question. What are the top three action steps to take to be proactive in the immediate future? And how should we be thinking in the long term with what info we have? I only want one action step. And that is that you start doing what you feel you should do. Everyone asks me the same question. What is it I'm supposed to do, Dell? Uh, well, there's, there's, I'm Del Baitry. I, I only, you know, how did I get here? I simply took action upon the things that I knew I could do. I, you know, I have, a, I can shoot a camera. I can ask someone a question. I did those things. You have a whole different set of talents than I do. Uh, there are people in all different walks of life, but here's what I believe. I truly believe there is a God. I believe we're all connected. I believe that God is capable of, of working through us. In fact, is demanding that. Um, we are all simply vessels. That's all that I am. All I am is a vessel. And so let me try to explain what happened. You know, I always, because of how I was raised, thought there was something I was going to do in this world. And I won't get into the whole story of how I came upon making Vax and meeting Andy Wakefield, but let's just say an incredible set of miracles that got me there. But I remember the moment I was sitting in his basement and looking at this film that he had already been working on for over a year and a half. And I recognized in that moment that it needed the talents that I had developed. It was very scientific, the information was all there, but I just felt that humanity wouldn't be able, it was too scientific and might be boring for some people or not emotionally charged in places. So I knew how to do that. My life had taught me when I didn't, I wanted to be making movies. I didn't even want to be working on the doctor's television show. I didn't know why that was the case. My mother would call and say, what are you doing working on a medical talk show? You've never been to a doctor in your life. And, and in that moment, I realized my life was training for me for what I was going to be needed to do. And, and uh, that 
talent I developed over six years of turning medicine and science and surgeries into entertainment suddenly made sense. Here was this documentary that was all about science, but if it was only about science, all the people that needed to see it wouldn't watch it. And so I recognized I was needed in that space. And so I delivered myself into that space. And I will say this, that I also, there was a real epiphany there. It wasn't lost for me. It was something I'd been praying and meditating my whole life to find that thing that I, I knew was out there that I was supposed to do. This is that thing for me. I've aligned, I believe, with my destiny. I think we all have a destiny that we've got to be aligned with. And in all my searching, in many ways, I was wearing blinders. I wasn't really listening to the opportunities that were there. And I remember I was actually doing a sweat lodge with a shaman I'd worked with a bunch. And we had a men's group. And, and right before all this took off, you know, he's, I'll never forget he said, uh, gentlemen, I'm hearing a lot of the same prayers in here. Uh, and it's been a really long time, which, which makes me believe that, you know, God has definitely given you the answers. You must not be listening. Uh, and it really was the case. It really was the case. I walked away from them saying, it's true. I've been so dedicated. There's no way I'm not listening. And for me, it was I wanted to make a movie. I wanted to make a movie. And so I was winning Emmy Awards in television, but I was striving to get the script sold so that I could finally make that movie. And when I left that sweat lodge, I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm demanding that the cosmos hand me what I think is my destiny, which is making a movie but I'm having all of the success in television. Why don't I just embrace that television loves me, go in the doors that are open to me and see where that leads. That was just my own personal adjustment. That adjustment shifted my life so dramatically, so quickly that within almost a year, what am I doing? I'm making the biggest movie of my life called Vax. I'm in the middle and all of the failures of my filmmaking, all of those things led to what need to be the success of my journey. So this is what I have to say. Stop letting your 18-year-old image of who you were going to be hijack your life. Listen to your life as it is. Look at the blessings you've been given now. Look at the talents you've accrued, whether you wanted to or not. And then ask yourself, what is it I'm being asked to do in this moment? What is my position? What cell am I in the body that function is absolutely critical and necessary that the body survive this? If you ask that question and truly listen, you are going to get something told to you. You're going to be told to do something that's going to be really uncomfortable. It may start with looking across a grocery store, you see a pregnant mom, and you think to yourself, I should probably go over and ask her what her thoughts are on vaccinations and give her some websites. And you're going to say, but that's weird, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And what I'm telling you is I don't need a five-point plan, a ten-point plan, a three-point plan. When you are guided and you feel that overwhelming need to do something, do it. Say yes and move forward with that guidance. And let me be clear with this analogy. I'm not saying walk up to every pregnant woman. I don't walk up to every pregnant woman I see. I only walk up to them when I get this feeling that I should. That feeling is coming from something much bigger than us, a connection that has got us all in an, an, an antenna connected together. And guess what? When I do it, when I feel like I'm guided to do it and I walk over, 90% of the time that woman says to me, you know, that's really weird. I just, you know, this morning started questioning this or I just saw something that made me think or I saw something online and that conversation begins. Um, so there is no walk up to every pregnant woman. I'm not telling you to do that. I can only say to you, you are needed. 
You are a vessel of truth. You are needed and you have a place and that place has already been decided for you. Listen to your guidance. Listen to your marching orders and say yes when you hear them. Well, thank you so much, Del. You are truly a dynamic, passionate speaker. And this is not just, we will, we promise as part of our team. And of course, we encourage those who are listening to us to not just let this conversation be part of a mental masturbation, but we do want everyone to take one step, one step at a time. As, as Jay asked for three steps, he gives you one powerful step. And as indigenous people would say, we're given one mouth, so stop crying, one mouth, two ears, listen, two eyes, observe well, and the heart and the mind in combination, then we oscillate so that we would not be scared. So temporarily we end this conversation, but Del, we have began to do a little bit of a reflection after that we end this conversation and we make another link so that we could talk again and with other people to bring their reflections. So Del, what else can I say? But thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you do. And yes, to everyone here, thank you. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Del. Thank you.